This review is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash Merle to find out how to get three months free and stay tuned after this review for more info. Hello everybody, I'm Dan Merle here with a review of two really solid animated options as we ramp into this holiday and Christmas week. One of these movies is opening in wide release today nationwide here in the domestic market. The other one has been available on Netflix for a couple of weeks now, but I haven't had a chance to talk about it. Let's talk about the first movie though, which is releasing in theaters this week, and that is Puss in Boots The Last Wish. This latest Shrek-adjacent film is from The Croods and New Age director Joel Crawford and first-time feature director Januel Mercado. The screenplay is from Paul Fisher, who co-wrote The Croods and New Age and the Lego Ninjago movie, and Tommy Swerdlow, who co-wrote Illuminations The Grinch. And I know that sounds like a mixed resume, but this is actually a pretty solid animated film. There is little to no reliance on the connections to the Shrekiverse in this movie. This is really about establishing even more Puss in Boots as his own character. Faced with the prospect of living the last of his nine lives, Puss in Boots decides to hang up his sword and live a quiet life in a cat rescue. But when he learns of a wishing star that could return all of his nine lives, he seeks it out along with Kitty Softpaws, voiced once again by Sama Hayek Pinolt, and new edition Perito, voiced by Harvey Guillen. Also looking for the wishing star for their own purposes are Big Jack Horner, voiced by John Mulaney, and Goldilocks, voiced by Florence Pugh, along with her enforcers, the Three Bears, who are voiced by Ray Winstone, Olivia Coleman, and Samson Kao. One thing that is instantly distinctive about this movie from all of the other Shrek films and really almost every film in the DreamWorks animation stable is the look of Puss in Boots The Last Wish. It is a combination of like an oil painting, a storybook drawing, and anime that really lends this film a wholly distinct feel. And the movie gets off to a great action-packed start as Puss throws an illegal house party and fights a giant before his brush with mortality where we see the loss of his previous eight lives in a montage that's actually pretty funny. It's pretty tough to balance the idea of showing a cute little animal dying over and over again, but it's done in a fun way, not a horrific way or a sad way. This is, by my count, the eighth film in which Antonio Banderas and Sama Hayek-Pinolt have shared a credit together, and they really do make a great team, especially when it comes to the character of Kitty Softpaws, who finds herself at odds with Puss in Boots as often as she finds herself in league with him. And the interaction between those two actors and those two characters is really solid. There is a cute-off that these two characters have that has very smartly been used as a cornerstone in the marketing campaign for the movie. You call that cute? <gasps> oh, look at her! Those eyes are even bigger than yours. So goofy! No! With the paws? Come on! <gasps> With the hat? I also have a little bit of a personal soft spot for Kitty Softpaws because a few years ago, Mara and I were at Universal Studios and we saw the character of Kitty Softpaws walking around. Mara loves cat. Kitty Softpaws is a tuxedo cat like ours. And I've rarely, if ever, seen her as delighted as she was when we met the quote-unquote actual Kitty Softpaws at Universal. So that's a little extra affection I have for that character. Puss in Boots The Last Wish doesn't have quite as much crossover appeal to the adult audience as the Shrek films, particularly the first couple of Shrek films, but it also doesn't insult the intelligence of the kids in the audience and by extension the parents who are taking the kids to the movies. It really is exactly as advertised, which is a fun adventure with some entertaining characters and a little tinge of darkness with this idea of impending death and doom. And it's actually a disclaimer that I would put on the movie. There is a character that's 
stalks Puss in Boobs throughout the film, who is a very scary wolf. And I think that if you are the parents of a kid who's maybe four or five years old or younger, then they might actually be pretty scared by that character. I'm not saying you should avoid the movie because there are scary characters in a lot of films. But when we look at the all ages aspect of Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, that is something that I think parents of younger kids might want to know. Just be prepared for them to perhaps snuggle up just a little bit closer to you a couple of times during the film. Generally, I laughed several times throughout the movie. I enjoyed it far more than many other kid-focused animated films this year, even ones that I liked, such as DC League of Super Pets. For the family audience whose kids maybe aren't ready to sit through three hours on Pandora, or if you've already seen Avatar The Way of Water or are looking for an alternative, I think that Puss in Boots The Last Wish is a really solid choice for something that you can bring the whole family to, and that I think that everybody will find something in that will entertain them. So that's an overall recommendation on Puss in Boots The Last Wish. It doesn't have all of that extra level that might appeal to adults in the ways that some of the best animated films do, but I still think that you're going to have fun with it. But if you are looking for an animated film that definitely does skew a little bit older, then there is an excellent one that people have asked me about for a couple of weeks now that is now streaming on Netflix, and that is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. This movie is the stop-motion realization of a lifelong dream for Guillermo del Toro, who helmed the film along with stop-motion veteran Mark Gustafsson. Mark Gustafsson was the animation director on Wes Anderson's Fantastic Mr. Fox, among many other projects that involve stop-motion animation. Del Toro also co-wrote the script with Adventure Time veteran Patrick McHale. This version of Pinocchio rejuvenates the story in all the ways that the Disney remake of their animated version that came out earlier this year made it feel stale. You do hit a lot of the beats of the Pinocchio story as we all know it, but in a style that is distinctly Guillermo del Toro's. This does not feel like a watered-down version of something that he would want to do. You can tell that this was his vision. And as I said, this is animation, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's for the entire family if you do choose to bring younger kids into the living room to watch this film, then I would be prepared for some very frank discussions about life and death matters almost from the very beginning of the movie. The voice cast includes David Bradley as Geppetto, Pinocchio's father, Ewan McGregor as Cricket, no Jiminy in this version, the conscience of Pinocchio, Christoph Waltz as the opportunist showman Count Volpe who takes Pinocchio on the road, Tilda Swinton in double roles because of course, as both the blue wood sprite who brings Pinocchio to life, and her sister Death who gets into some pretty interesting philosophical discussions with the puppet, Kate Blanchett as the monkey Spezzer this has just been a tour de force year for Kate Blanchett. And Tom Kenny, the voice of SpongeBob, as Mussolini. Yes, that Mussolini. Providing the voice of Pinocchio is a young actor named Gregory Mann, who actually has very few credits to his name. And he provides a great example of a young actor who actually performs the role. Oh boy, oh boy. Maybe it'll be okay if I'm a little bit late for school. I had some criticism for the voiceover performance in the Disney live action version earlier this year because I felt that the actor was directed or performed in a way that was just, I'm a cute kid who's reading some lines. This is an actual young actor performance and it really gives this character of Pinocchio an inner light and a life that you need when you're selling the concept of Pinocchio. Gregory Mann also sings the songs well and there is music in this film. Pinocchio has one of my favorite original songs from a movie this year called Ciao Papa, and the music for that song and the movie in general is done by Alexandre Desplat, who also teamed up with Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. He 
he won an Academy Award for that movie, as did Guillermo del Toro. This really does show you what a director's passion really brings to a project, because with Robert Zemeckis in the Disney live-action remake, I didn't really feel a passion for the material from him. It felt like a contractual obligation, like Disney hires you to do this thing, and he's like, eh, yeah, whatever, I'll do it. Guillermo del Toro's not out to make a cut-rate version of Pinocchio. He fought for over a decade to bring this movie to the screen the way that he wanted, in stop-motion animation, which is much more time-consuming and much more expensive, but he knew what he wanted, and you can feel his love for this project in every single frame of the movie. And this is also not a rote adaptation of the Pinocchio story. It is set against the rise of fascism in Europe. And it's kind of ironic that you're telling a story about this puppet, Pinocchio, who's trying to become more human against the backdrop of an era in history when inhumanity was at its height. But the original Pinocchio story is also pretty dark. And it's a great marriage of Del Toro's sensibilities with the source material to create a fusion that is truly unique. I can see why why he was drawn to this story because in many ways the original Pinocchio story is just as gothic and bizarre and strange as so many of Del Toro's films. This is a stunningly gorgeous film, immaculately crafted, well-acted, brilliantly designed, and beautifully scored. It's not just one of my favorite animated films of the year. Quite frankly, I think it might be my favorite. It's one of my favorite movies period this year. As I weigh my top 10 list for the end of 2022, this movie is very heavily in contention for being included. I do wish that it had gotten a wide theatrical release because I do feel that these visuals, which were so painstakingly created, deserve to be seen on the biggest screen possible. But it did get a limited release a few weeks ago, and that's about the best that we can hope for from Netflix. The accessibility, though, is encouraging, and the first couple weeks' numbers have been pretty steady. I hope that they're going to grow over time, perhaps as word of mouth spreads, and maybe this review will help to increase that word of mouth. But this isn't just another Pinocchio story, as we've seen many, many times before. This is a version of Pinocchio that stays faithful to the heart of the story, but is 100% a product of Guillermo del Toro, and is as essential to his filmography as any other movie that he's made, perhaps more so. And it is hands down a recommendation for me. It is streaming right now on Netflix. I encourage you to hit pause on this video, go Go watch it and let me know what you think. But it's also great to know that there's a solid animated film in theaters this holiday season in Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. So we're getting a great double dose of animation as we end the year. And I think that both of these movies will be heavily in contention when we talk about Academy Awards and Oscars and everything else as we go into 2023. What do you think? Are you heading out to see Puss in Boots? Did you catch an early morning screening? Have you already seen it? And are you planning to watch Pinocchio on Netflix? Let me know down in the comments below. And before I go, I want to thank the the sponsor for this review, ExpressVPN. The holidays are here and we all love getting presents from family or friends or maybe even jolly old Saint Nick. What we don't want is some Grinch watching us, tracking our data, maybe even selling it to somebody else while we're online. ExpressVPN reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so that your internet service provider and others can't see or log what you do online. Not only does this keep your ISP from tracking your data, it also 
make sure that you're safe on public Wi-Fi networks during your holiday travels, whether you have a long layover or you're on an extended hotel stay. ExpressVPN also uses trusted server technology, which means that they're not logging your activity, and they're so confident in that claim that assurance firm PricewaterhouseCoopers has audited that technology. That's why ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN by CNET, Wired, TechRadar, and countless others. So if you want to make sure that your data is safely wrapped up this holiday season, go to expressvpn.com slash Merle right now, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Merle, expressvpn.com slash Merle to learn more. Thanks to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this review, and thank you for watching. I'll be back very soon, I believe tomorrow, with a review of the latest film from Damien Chazelle, Babylon, which is also hitting theaters this Christmas weekend, and I have a lot to say about that movie. Until then, stay safe, and I'll see you next time. Bye.